keep your finger mouse to yourself. So Dan's just came. The show is recording. Dan's only going to be with us for the beginning of the show because he's got a lot of uh, Peterborough. A lot of stuff uh, to do. A lot of stuff to do today. Uh, And did you uh, send me... Not yet. I have have to do that as soon as we do this. I was going to say, did you send me the intro? But you're here. That would be stupid. Yeah, Yeah, the intro, I'll send it to you shortly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, send me... (laughs) That's right. Get on that. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Finger Mouse. I just received this um, text. Thank you for the very sweet Bell 5 shout-out on uh, your show yesterday. Very kind of you. Um, You know, the shout-out, this is from Lori Love for her show on Bell 5 that I had mentioned. And the name of that show is uh, Love Your Home. Yeah. I was going to say Love's on Home, but I couldn't remember the name of that show. (laughs) And she says, and your fingering mouse chat that turned into fingering mice mouse clits had me laughing out loud on my ride to work this morning. See, there you go. That's what I love about Lori Love, because I said uh, finger a mouse clit, and you said, hey, yeah, he's good there, you take it too far. But Lori Love, who has a, uh, is a funny person, she enjoyed that. So I, that's all. Yeah, I know. And you were all like, that's I too- was offended. I know you were offended. <laughs> she she okay. called me when I was in Costco yesterday, because she was wondering why I wasn't responding to her texts. And that was because she was texting my oldest phone number from Toronto. Way, way back. And I wasn't, I don't have that number anymore. And that's because, remember in the summer, I don't think we ever told this story, when they were pulling up to my dock in their lovely boat, Lori uh, uh, went to uh, throw a line to me or something, and as she stood up, she forgot she had put her phone on her chest uh, as they were, you know, taking pictures or whatever, and uh, it flew into the water. So she lost her phone. Oh, no. In the water. And I, I dived. I did some diving for it. I couldn't find it. Black phone in, you know, a dark... Are you saying that Aquadan couldn't find the phone? (laughs) (laughs) I just love that image of you diving in with your fucking Dan Gills going, I'll get it, Lori. I'll get that. I tried hard. That's that's Gills. You see what I'm doing there? I'm miming. I'm doing Gill miming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking Dan jumps into the water. I'll get that phone, Lori Love. I'll try. I'll try. I'd like to know what Lori Love was doing with the phone on her chest. Was it? Did she park it between her boobs like a bicycle? Is that what she was doing? Maybe. I think it was in a chest pocket of a loosely fitting um, hoodie or something. Of course, I would go there. What's wrong with you, me? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, that and Dan did, and uh, scuba dive and Nick. He offered uh, to have a look too. I don't think if he. I don't know if he ever did. <laughs> Yeah. What, what, well, scuba diving Nick also lost his uh, very expensive glasses. That's how there. he became scuba diving Nick. <laughs> he said, yeah. "I need to find these glasses. I need to learn to scuba dive." And uh, the guy Bruce, our good friend Bruce, who lost his drone in the lake the same way. Just well, I mean, he, what is, do you guys live near like the fucking Bermuda Triangle or some shit? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> what the fuck? That going was a on funny story. I actually felt bad because I wasn't there when it happened. But he gets a brand new drone, and when you're first learning to operate a drone, it's not a good idea to have it out over water, right? And apparently he had it out over the water and wasn't sure what to do. So he hit the button that just said stop or something. So it just plunged into the lake. <laughs> when I heard the story, I was laughing. 
So the first time I saw him, I was sort of laughing about it, and he didn't laugh. No, he probably didn't. He probably <laughs> he didn't, didn't laugh. He didn't think it was as funny as you did. Because it was like a birthday present and everything, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay. So I, w- yeah. was that his first drone solo? Like he took it up, and that was the first time he flew it? Yeah, I think so. He just took it off his uh, off his deck or whatever, and he was just going to play with it around the area just to sort of you know see it maneuver or whatever. Sure. And he pushed what? <coughs> excuse me. He pushed one button, and it took off. <laughs> and having not used it, what you do is you push the button that says "Return to Home." Oh, or whatever that is. And, and he did, he just pushed you know cancel everything, stop, and then he just dropped in the lake, and that was it. Oh, I thought it was like a return to home if that home is your lake. It's a lake. <laughs> yeah. Return yeah. to your lake home. Yeah. Those things are amazing because Danny has a good one too, right? Oh, yeah. And it, even if they get low on the battery, they just, on their own, just turn around and come home and land right where it took off. And I have a buddy at uh, Glen Karen, uh, Tom Southcott, who's a fine gentleman and was one of the first people I ever knew with a drone. And this was like four, five, six years ago when they were just kind of becoming a thing. And he's got an interest in aviation and whatever. And, and I've seen some of the shots, Dan, and you'd love this. The, you know, the videos that you can take, the photography you can do. He's, oh, it's, it's like crack. It's watching, unbelievable, man. Like I've seen some, I was gonna say, I've seen some of his drone video of, of the golf course. He's used to take it out and in the wintertime with one of his dogs and just go for a walk and then shoot the, some of the uh, landscape. It's amazing. I know. I'm bittersweet with that, though. When Danny shows me that stuff, I think, oh, this is the way the world looks to a Canada goose. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What? Fuck, man. Get off the goose. <laughs> <laughs> you ever finger a goose clip, Fred? <laughs> um, okay, so Dan's got I, all of this to say that Dan's got to go at some point. Noel Castler is going to be with us. We got a lot of stuff to get through. And thanks to Lori Love for her kind words. She's always sending me notes. She's very uh, big supporter of the program. Speaking of friends, it's funny that you, it's funny, interesting. We got to come up with a new. It's interesting that you brought up Lori Love because I had written down something yesterday. It's somebody you guys know better than I do, but she's been on this program, and I've met her through you two, and that's Danny Stover. And uh, early on in the yes. podcast, Danny used to drop in. I know she worked for Fred uh, when you were, uh, were you a Peterborough program director? Yes, <laughs> program and, director. And yeah. Dan, of course, you know the Stovers because they used to come up, and her and her boyfriend, and I think her, if I'm not mistaken, her mother, too, used to come up there. To the yeah, they, lake? To the, 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 yeah, the lake. Yeah, their parents they, they, had, they, had, a, they had a place on the lake, yeah. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, Danny Stover, I don't know if you saw this, boys. She has been hired to do evenings, I think, at 640. And I wanted everyone to know that uh, she's very Yes, good. I've been corresponding with her. Well, there her you go. Luck. She was, uh, what she did, she produced the Kelly Catrera show for a while, a couple of years, I think. And then the evening slot opened up there, and uh, they gave her that promotion. Well-deserved. Kelly Cotrera, do we know her? (laughs) Talented young uh, broadcaster. (laughs) Both are talented. I'm kidding, Kelly, of course. Kelly was our original news person, Dan. Uh, At some point, uh, Real Radio beckoned, and Kelly has been at... 640 for a long time. I'm the last I heard from you or whoever stayed Danny is that she was working for blog to or something like that. Wasn't she? Uh, yes, but, uh, that ended. Okay. And then, um, yes. And she, uh, 
yeah, I was corresponding with her when I found out she got the job, and she was saying it's a lot of work, and uh, but she's uh, enjoying it. A lot of work, a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure, and uh, she's uh, eating it up. I see, you know, there's some great broadcasters in this town that we know: Kelly, Danny Stover, Barb DiGiulio. Is she still doing evenings at the Ten Ten? Oh no, they axed her long ago. I, I did not know that. I, I, that's a severe term, isn't it? Axed. <laughs> that's right. They took an axe to her. I uh, Sometimes when I'm downstairs there uh, in their office, what used to be our office, I still look over on the couch and there's a pillow that Barbara Julio made us early in the... From a t-shirt. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. Um, all right. Listen, we got to get going. Uh, there's lots to talk about today. There's a. Uh, well, I've just started to do something that apparently Fred's been doing for a long time, and uh, I want to talk about that. Uh, the uh, one of our friends of the show, uh, Kevin Donovan, who's been coming on from time to time, reporting on various stories. On this podcast, uh, Kevin, most famously in the last five years for writing on the Sherman family, the, mm-hmm. the Sherman murders, there's been an interesting development development in that, and I wanted to share that with you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, let's know, do- great minds think alike. Just yesterday, I was thinking of that story in Kevin, and then I had an angle on it, all which I'll present to you and see what you think. Fantastic. I look forward to all the crime. No, no, I just, how, his involvement and opportunity, that's all. That's all I'll say until Howard presents the story. All right, okay. By the way, you peckerheads. (laughs) Yes. What's that? (laughs) A week today, the days start getting longer. I always love that when you can, I, I notice the 14th and then 21. Yeah, the days will start getting longer. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's too bad you hadn't pointed that out a time or two before. Hey, Dan. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking. Well, usually I do it on the day. The oh, I know. Usually <laughs> I do it on the day. I'm giving Dude, you a. I'm ramping Durant, up this year. Durant, <laughs> hot off the press. That's right. Me and Dan could get our fucking. Forget an advent calendar. I got a calendar of when Fred's going to talk about the days getting longer and fucking this and that in the spring. And, oh, yeah. But no, you're. Hey. You're right. The days are going to get longer a week from today. In fact, a week from tomorrow will be our last full program, uh, our, our last uh, new program of 2022. Uh, we'll do some best ofs over the holidays, but uh, pretty soon it'll be, you know, 2023. And uh, you know, there's no change in that. Hey, in my absence, are you going to be uh, doing the dog story that you've talked about? I, I'm doing, I'm, that's why I was going to thank you, Daniel. I'm doing the dog story today for the news. Right, okay. I'm Good. actually going to play All the right. Dan Duran theme, and I will do, I won't do a Dan do Duran impression, story. but I will do that story for the news because it's far too Perfect. funny. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. the meantime, let's start this show. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped multi-story Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, and from our spacious Brampton Basement Storeroom Studio, and is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now here are two men who have spent no time making Christmas fruitcake, shortbread cookies, or figgy pudding, but will eat them. It's Humble and Fred. 
Thank you, Donald. By the way, the first batch of bark came off the assembly line yesterday. Uh, the assembly line? Yeah. It's funny how uh, our family is so in tuned with the doll bark that it's part of almost every holiday planning conversation, especially with Charlie. So tell that to doll. Uh, Charlie and I were talking about yes. what we were going to do for Christmas Eve. And Charlie said, do you think we'll have bark by then? I said, I don't know. How has that has been covered? Okay, but I said to Charlie, I said, you know, with greedflation, I don't know if Doll's mm-hmm. going to be able to pump out the bark as she does in years gone by. No, I saw, you know, there's a slot designated for Charlie in the Glassman's, yes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's right, she's warehousing it. Um, oh, no, she went, yeah, it's wild. All the crackers are in and uh, the bags, the big bags of chocolate chips are on the counter and Oh yeah, ready to roll, brother. I don't know ready how you do roll. it. I don't know. How, thanks. I don't know how you do it, man. With all that bark around, like we weren't doing Noom at this time last year, so I kind of went bark crazy in the house. And I, what I do with it, and of course at the time I was still smoking marijuana. I'm on a bit of a break, but at the time I would get all high, and then I would go to the freezer where the bark lived, and I could, I just couldn't stop eating it. Yeah, no, I know it's tough, isn't it? Especially in the evening with a cup of tea. That's what um, they uh, call in Noom. They call it storm eating. That's what yes. I would do. I just storm yeah. the fuck out of that. Because it's park. one of those things you can't. You have a piece, and you just want just one more piece, and then just one more piece. I, I know, I get it, and it's. Uh, you know, I have a certain weight I want to be when I leave here on January sixteenth or whatever it is. And it's tough because between now and that date is your Christmas. That's right. It's tough. It's fat. It's a, it's a mountain. There's this, you know, I have a path and there's this mountain right, right. In, in the middle. It's like fat food time. Uh, <laughs> you know, what you just described is funny because I, I was talking to a buddy of mine and we we're talking about, you know, maybe cutting back on drinking a little bit. And, you know, very a lot of people are, it's become kind of the, the thing to do to start thinking about drinking in moderation and. He was talking about drinking a glass of wine. And I said, you know, that was the problem with me is that I didn't understand how you could just have a glass of wine. Well, it's the same with Bart. What are you going to have? One piece? What are you? What are you uh, in church? <laughs> you know, how could you yeah. just have one piece of bark? You can't. It's tough. I have this oh, image of you kneeling down in front of the freezer drawer. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Pulling right out of the freezer into your mouth. Like right holy, com- like holy communion. <laughs> Like, That's right. Heading into it, it's like, you know, I, I the idea is not have that first piece of bark. And that's mind over yeah. matter. And that's willpower and everything. It's doable. No. And I've decided going into this holiday season, I'm not going to drink any wine. Not that we do a lot anyway, but just stay away because that's just cups of sugar. And then my beer drinking, I'm not going to drink any Guinness and I'm not going to drink the craft beers. I'm going to stick to my ultra, which is like drinking water. I got to. So that you'll have room for bark. No, I will. I know. You know, it's the beer just, bark balance. There is a beer bark balance. That's very good, Daniel. You know, in a thing, you can talk big, but then, you know, when you're in that, you're actually there ready to make that decision. And you end up going, oh, one piece won't hurt. Oh, what's another one? Anyway. I sometimes think that maybe if I ate them quicker, I wouldn't gain any mm-hmm. weight. Yeah. I think, okay, Ooh, your body. <laughs> that's right. If I just eat a bunch of bark fast, how will my body know? <clears throat> anyway, I'm I looking forward to it. For my bark, instead of sugar, use Metamucil, right? 
<laughs> That's great. Now you see, maybe she could turn the Metamucil, you know, with some kind of thing where she turns that into a cracker. Yeah, and the whole thing makes your uh, poop well. Yeah, <laughs> bark. Anyway, uh, so but, but, but you you eat your second piece while sitting on the toilet. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. That's, that's nice. nice. That's nice. Mister Clit. <laughs> Mr. Clit. That's going to be your name. Uh, Mr. Clit. No, there's a lot worse. Listen, I don't mind being Mr. called Mr. Clit. Mr. Clit. Um, yeah, that, that was my, uh, that's my Reservoir Dog's name. Mr. Pink, Mr. Black, and Mr. Clit is here. Um, let's talk about the uh, Shermans. Do you? Mm-hmm. Hey, before we get to the Shermans, actually, uh, why don't we uh, take care of a little bit of business? And depending on what you uh, start with, I've got an associated story for you. So, what are you? Uh, we got the Sherpa on the show today, so you don't need to do that. So, really, it's. Oh, uh, I'm just going to tell you quickly about our friends at Bodog, okay? Okay. Uh, you know, one of our great sponsors who have been very kind to us and provide lots of entertainment. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled uh, gaming experience since 1994. Interesting. If you want to just look at some numbers here, yesterday I told you about the Leafs and the Ducks. Uh, I think it was minus 520 on the Leafs, which nobody would play that. But the over-under was 6.5, okay? And the Leafs beat the Ducks 7-0. The Leafs are, uh, you're really loving your Leafs right now. They're doing great. Um, No, it's a cautious love. I know. Yeah, you don't love the, do you love Bark more than the Leafs? Obviously, I, I would say. Uh, right now, I would say yes. If yeah. the Leafs won the Stanley Cup, I would love them more than the Bark. I wonder if uh, Bodog would give us odds on how much Bark we're both going to eat during the holiday season. Because I don't have the problem with... I mean, I don't drink any wine or beer, so where's my extra calories coming from? Well, part of it is portions. And the other thing is I, yes. just, I just love salty stuff. And salt has you retain water, which is makes your, your daily weigh-in elevated. I had some very salty soup last night, and I'm a pound up from where I was yesterday. Now, I know I'm not really, I didn't really gain a pound in one day, but you just retain a lot more water. Anyway, since you brought up Bodog, we'll get to the Shermans here in a second. But I saw this stat that I thought you would find interesting because I knew you were going to talk about the odds today. Uh, Ovechkin uh, hit the 800 goal mark for his NHL career last night. And I know I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I don't know is where is that? How how close now is he within a hundred? We talked about this recently, but I can't remember. Well, Gretzky's eight ninety four. Okay, I think he's one away from Gordy Howe who finished his career at eight oh one or eight oh two or something. Um, and uh, Gretzky's eight ninety four. And I was looking at this this morning, and I was doing the sliding scale thing. Ovechkin, I forget how old he is. He's in his upper 30s. And I'm thinking, I don't want him to beat Gretzky because he's a Russian and he's a a friend of Putin's. I want that record to be held by a Canadian. Sorry. Is that intolerant? Wait a second. You're not supporting the Russians like the rest of the right wing? So... (laughs) So I'm thinking, you know, that's three 30-goal seasons. It's two 50-goal seasons. But at his age, you know, 
it's going to get to the point where scoring 20 or 22 or 25 will be a good season for a guy his age. So I'm hoping he doesn't get there. But he's also the type of guy that might play till he's 45 just to get there. Well, I was going to say, because he might have a, a 30 and a 20 and, a, and then a bunch of 10 or 15s. But, but here's yeah. a stat that, okay, so Ovechkin aside for a second. Here's a stat that I thought was interesting. It reminded me of some of the Tiger stats. Gretzky in the 80s had more five-point games than zero-point games. <laughs> Isn't that... I, I, I thought you'd like that. Really? Isn't that just outrageous? Yes, it is. Gretzky had more five-point games than games in which he had no points, which is just bizarre to me. And yeah. that's why, I mean, listen, I was really lucky. I've said this before. In the early 80s, I lived in Calgary, Calgary mm-hmm. and Edmonton, great rivals. And I went to a lot of games. I knew some of the, the you know, I was, Lanny McDonald used to come on my show. Um, a couple other guys whose names I don't remember. And I was into the, I was into uh, watching the Oilers. But I, had, even then I knew what we were seeing. And I used to laugh at these Flames fans. Be like, oh, Gretzky's overrated. And I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah, I know it's the fucking Oilers, but you know, give your head a shake. It's Wayne Gretzky we're watching. Who cares who he plays for? Mm-hmm. More five-point games than zero-point games. Uh, I heard a Tiger stat the other day. He was number one in the world in the official. Oh, buddy Clifford just came over here and put his big Clifford head in my lap. So Tiger Woods was number one in the world for over 10 years. That's nearly you know over that so close to 375 or 80 weeks at number one and so the stat i heard the other day was whoever's number one now i think it's rory has to be number one in the world until he's like 45 or something you know just something ridiculous yeah that's something like there's certain like that gretzky stat there's certain tiger stats Mm -hmm. those ones won't ever be broken but i thought the same about the goal scoring thing to be honest with you what i just thought i no i no to i i no i didn't no more just like i thought some of those gretzky numbers would never be approached yeah you know this to me came out of nowhere because i just thought that would never ever be beaten and now the guy you know that on his instagram has a picture or had a picture of him and putin arm in arm it's like that guy forget it yeah, you know, that, uh, I, I, we were talking about that. Well, that's one of the things I want to talk about with Noel. I'd written that down about how odd I find the fact that Americans, especially since I've been reading so much about World War I and lately, that uh, I'm just surprised Americans support the guy who's, you know, running Russia. I just find that, just don't you think that this was weird? Well, some of them. Yeah. No, I know, but there are some... Is, like, there was a time. Oh, no, it's hard to believe it would be anyone. Yeah, that's what I mean. There was a time in your in our lifetimes that you'd be like, mm-hmm. "What?" Wasn't there like the you know the Iron yeah, Curtain but, and all that stuff? And the but see what these assholes see what happens to these assholes, Howard. And it's the same with the freedom truckers here and everything. You sort of back yourself in, into a corner. You take these bold stances that are against the grain. And then you have to cover your ass here, you have to cover your ass here, you have to cover your ass here. And next thing you know, you're defending something that you know you shouldn't be, but you have to because it's part of the big playbook. Like, there's no other explanation. Like, ha- like you get up one morning and, geez, yeah, geez, I got to, yeah, I got to sort of side with this guy if I'm going to maintain this uh, stream of uh, 
yeah. thought or, or or policy and same with the freedom truckers. There's still people that are trying to look you in the face. Oh, they didn't do anything. Well, that's right. Bouncy castles. Now, you know, yeah. you know, they again, I was talking about that guy that interviews these two different mm-hmm. groups that interview people outside of Trump rallies. Mm-hmm. Like these are when they interview red state Americans yeah. and they're talking about how Putin this figure has got it going. Like, they've bought in. Like, you just look and you go, come on, Cletus, you don't really believe that. You don't You don't go down to the old drug, old Sam Drucker's store and talk about what a great guy Putin is. Hey, come on. But they do. To, to your point, that's why they do. Because if you believe one thing, mm-hmm. then there's this whole train of other stuff you got to believe all the yeah. way to Democrats are drinking baby's blood. Right. Or you interrupt... You know, your uh, your storyline or you have to contradict yourself. And yeah, it's sad, really. It's, you know, <laughs> it is. It's that, it's that whole thing. It's you know, it's for simpletons. And again, I, I do. I equate it here in Canada to the whole trucker thing. Still, you read the odd thing where people are still trying to hold. It was just bouncy castles and they were doing it for freedom. No, they were white supremacists trying to make a, a statement. Yeah, good Canada, note. Well, the thing they is, thought the opportunity was there. That's, even even the ones that weren't white supremacists or whatever yeah. you say. What they, but it was kind of what we we're just the point we we're making is that a lot of them just went along with it, and they were like, "Oh, wait a second now, now this is the guy we're supporting." Yes, that tit that wanted to put a gun into the prime minister. Anyway, this is the story: the uh, son of two Canadian billionaires, and we've had this on our show for over five years now. Kevin Donovan, great reporter from the Toronto Star first came on our show talking about he was one of the two people that got the tapes incriminating uh, former mayor stay strong rob ford and kevin has, has done lots of reporting on the uh, shermans in fact wrote a book about it and now the uh, initial reward was 10 million dollars to help arrest and convict the couple's killers and now the son of the shermans I'm just hesitating to lie. Oh, Jonathan Sherman's his name. He said in a statement shared with Canadian media ahead of the fifth anniversary of his parents' death, he said, closure will not be possible until those responsible for this evil act are brought to justice. And he has upped the reward to $35 million. Last December, Toronto police released a video footage of a person walking outside the couple's home the day before they were killed in an appeal for information from the public, adding they believe the person captured on camera was a suspect. They've not confirmed, though, whether the suspect has since been identified, but said they remain committed to solving the case. Do they? I don't know. And that suspect, I mean a break with the suspect that he had sort of a limp and they've determined now that they think it's an artificial limb. They've done sort of that research or like the one arm man type of thing, you know, obviously like the fugitive, like the fugitive. Um, yes. But what I, what was, what was going to be your point through this? I have no point other than I thought it it was, no, I just thought it was interesting that that story came up. Right. Well, I'm thinking of Ken of Kevin Donovan yesterday and I'm thinking, you know, he's so into the story. If he uncovered it, would he would he be eligible for the thirty five million or would professional um, whatever the word may be? Because thing he spends a lot of time every day on this story. What if all of a sudden one day Kevin Donovan goes, well, this guy and this guy. Well, I know 
I think I know who did it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he goes to the police with the information he has or, you know, his formula for cracking it. And it turns out to be true. Would he be able to collect the $35 million? Or is his professional position uh, prevent him from that? Well, to your first point, Kevin spends a portion of most days trying to collate or figure out. I'm sure he, he... I think the last time we talked to Kevin... He didn't he seem to indicate that he's got a fairly he had some idea or he had some theories for sure about yeah. who's committed this murder. Mm-hmm. But that would be a great question to him. I, I would say for me, of course, I just take the 35 million and quit the stars. See ya. Mm-hmm. See ya is what I'd say. Or if I'm, I'm what you do from the other end, it would be good job, Kevin. But you know, seeing that you're a reporter and this is your job, no, you don't really qualify for this. Well, you think Jonathan Sherman cares where it comes from? No, no, I don't. But what In would fact, you do? Maybe he, huh? What would you do? About what? If you were Kevin Donovan. I would take it. If I could, I'd... Obviously. Yeah. And then I'd write a blog to exercise my... Uh, no, here's blog. the thing. If I won 35... No, one. If I got 35 million... And I would quit the star, and I'd hire you to write a blog. <laughs> Just be like, Whatever. "Hey, how's my? Hey, Fred, how's my blog?" <laughs> That's how much I would care after a thirty-five million yeah. deposit. But it was just just yesterday when yeah. I heard that story. That's the first thing I thought about. I thought of Kevin, and I thought, could he somehow end up with that money? Since the Sherman's murder, police have conducted at least two hundred and fifty. Witness interviews. I'm always fascinated when people report this next number. Received 1,255 tips from the public mm-hmm. and obtained 41 warrants. warrants. Mm-hmm. But when they write 1,255, do they know it's to that number? Like, to, if it were me, I'd say I received over 1,200 tips. But whenever yeah. I see a number that's that specific, I'm like, <clears throat> do they really count all? the tips that came in from the public and they went 1243 1244 1250 yeah good question yeah yeah it's quite the story and it's one of those things you know fascinates the fascinates people the world over this story that i'm this was actually from uh the bbc news so Just this, one other thing I thought of. Plus, yes. that $35 million, it's not a lottery. It's not a windfall. Would it be taxable? I believe it would be. Another question. Maybe Is we should ask the, Sher- money the Sherpa. Taxable? Hmm? Maybe we should ask the Sherpa. Okay, let me jot that down. Let's yeah. ask what are the tax implications of getting the reward for cracking the Sherman case? <laughs> Which is fine. You'd still end up with seventeen, eighteen million. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, but what you could say to them is say, "Okay, I would like seventeen million in this calendar year, and then I would like them one million a year for the next seventeen years." Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you got to talk to somebody like Sherpa. But I can't see that being tax free. Well, no, because you're getting paid from somebody. Yes, exactly. It's like you've earned that money. It's not a lottery. Yeah. Right. It's not a bursary. <laughs> yeah. So I think we know the answer, but it's a wind it's not it's a windfall. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is a windfall? It's a windfall. No, it's not a windfall. It's it's not a windfall. Thank you. <sighs> you were earned you were you earned it. 
Why aren't you and I spending part of our days trying to solve the Sherman murders? <laughs> like, I know. Seriously. When you were making dinner last night and thinking about shit, why weren't you like on the phone with me saying, how man, let's get, or no, Clit, Mr. Clit, let's, uh, <laughs> let's solve, let's solve it. Because some of it, you'd sort of have to walk around the property, and I don't want to drive down the 410. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's the reason we haven't been more successful. We don't want to leave our, <laughs> we never want to leave the house. Yeah. Hey, we would do a lot. Hey, we would do a lot of murder solving if it didn't, you know involve leaving and going down the 401 at any time by the way i got a 401 story later in the show yeah i do anyway yeah i do get a load of this what here's one last thing i thought of if kevin is not eligible that for that 35 million for for whatever reason professional reasons he's a journalist you know the star whatever he could feed us the information yes i see where we you're going. could crack the case yep. and then behind the scenes look after kevin that's right we split it Mm-hmm. We split it. Uh, do we split it three ways, or do we what take I, more of the money? I, we throw them a little bit, of, like a percentage. Well, I'm cool with that. Three way split. Mm-hmm. But what about the taxes that we have to pay? How do we mitigate? Oh, after tax. So we yeah, take. I the don't money. even care about that because you know nothing to money with uh, with taxes is better than no money at all. Well, I think this is we should get Kevin back on the show and say, "Are you into a three way split after tax money?" So let's say we end up with 21 million after taxes and then each of us gets seven. He'd probably <laughs> want our hey, you know what, to. What's that? Mm-hmm. No, I was saying our accountant has said to me many times when I've had conversations about um, capital gains tax and mm. how frustrating that can be. He said, Fred, end the frustration here. Just think to, you're paying capital gains because you've made money. That's a good thing. You're never going to take that away. So lose, lose that frustration on capital gain. <laughs> Day one. Oh, and realize, oh. to pay it, you've made money. Oh, yes, End we get it. Because it's because the word gain is in it, Fred. Yeah, I know. I know. I was old Mr. Clit. You made old Mr. Clit laugh there because, uh, <laughs> because I thought you were going to say, I've had many conversations with our accountant about cr- cracking the Sherman case <laughs> as part of our retirement plan. <laughs> here's what we here's what Howie and I plan to do. We're gonna get Kevin to tell us what it is, and then we crack the Sherman case. <laughs> what do we do with the money? Do we keep it in the company? <laughs> he's like, what? Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's gonna be looking at us and be like, okay, this meeting is over. Yeah. All right, listen. We can't get uh, we can't keep going on this nonsense. Why isn't this playing? Hold on. That's weird. Okay. We just had a little bit of a moment here. The snow is snowing. All right. The wind is blowing, but I can weather the snow. Yeah, there's a uh, 401 story I want to get to quickly before uh, Noel gets here. I've got my love to keep me And we talked about Bodog. And, of course, one of our other supporters had a great conversation with Daryl Croft yesterday at EVNet. You know, the uh, world of electric vehicles available to, uh, you know, to everyone now. It's become affordable and uh, lots of opportunities. But this, um, the, the, the concept at EVNet.ca is so different because it gives you a chance to test drive a car, but also test drive the concept of what it's like to own an electric vehicle. A lot of dealerships are selling these EVs, but a lot of them don't have models to test drive, and then you only get like an hour, half an hour. What you really need is a few days 
to sort of see if a Bull Tacona, an Outlander, a Nissan Leaf, or a Tesla Model 3 is right for you. Uh, listen, if you're curious at all, and you want to help support the show, go check out evnet.ca. Every time that uh, we talk about this and you uh, you know, hit that website, it definitely registers that there's interest here with our audience. Book a test drive by appointment. Uh, just go to evnet.ca. And by the way, you can try it for the weekend or take it away for a week and then decide if uh, this is part of the lifestyle you'd like to leave, like to lead going forth into the future. evnet.ca or rentelectric.ca Especially in this city. Torontonians, according to a newly released transit data, Toronto transit users may have one of the longest commutes in North America. The average commute in this city using public transit is 56 minutes. Forget driving into Toronto. <laughs> that shit show. Canadians seem to enjoy shorter wait times than some of the other regions included in the data. But, you know, it goes to this conversation we've had many times that our public transit system, the subway system in Toronto is so, you know, you, you, we've talked about this on other shows that we do about how traveling the world over, you see how public transit is so different in big cities. Oh, yeah. Especially subway systems. Yeah. There's been so much, you know, um, and again, everything here is a big, long debate, and it fizzles into nothing. And uh, those other major cities, they just get it done. It's it's laughable, the fourth largest city in North America. And look at our subway grid. It's funny. It's actually funny. The um, Yeah. I was going to say, in comparison, the top three longest wait times per commute... Oh, sure. They're talking about wait times. But uh, yeah, some of those other big cities, you know, in Toronto, uh, we have got a, a pretty long, our average length of a commute, according to this report, is like close to 13 kilometers, one way per trip. Mm. But uh, I got some good news. I, I don't know where I put this story, but you know, that that stretch of 401 West between, we'll just call it the 427 and Milton. You know, they finally finished that project. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm just trying to see where I put it. Anyway, just, yeah. That, because that that was an issue for me because my mother-in-law is in Kitchener. So sometimes when we would travel out that way, it could be uh, trying, you know. And again, I have we, I have the luxury of um, designing my trip. Yes. Uh, to off periods. Other people just don't have that luxury. And I, you know, we've often talked about commuting. Can you imagine commuting every day in this garbage, like 410, having that part of your life every day? Well, Delise did for years. No, and it's nonsense. Even, even she could do off. But can you imagine part of your day every day is getting up, walking to a bus stop, a bus to a subway, a subway to your place of work, subway and then walking into your place of work every day? there and back oh yeah there are people in this city in this region that are doing this a couple hours each way so here's the story so we've already said that the the transit is uh one of the worst in north america the highway 401 is the busiest and most congested highway in north america 
And uh, just in this one stretch that I'm talking about, approximately 180,000 vehicles on average per weekday from the Credit River in Mississauga to Regional Road 25 in Milton. This has started about four or five years ago. It's about 18 kilometers uh, that the stretch I'm talking about. So basically, it's around the 410 west to 25. So it affects me because 25 is where the golf course is. And again, I'm able to go in off hours, but even in off hours for the last four or five years, mm-hmm. middle of the day, doesn't matter. Saturday afternoon, doesn't matter. That's, tr- that's about a 35 minute in total ride for me. There are days it took me 55, an hour, 10, because mm-hmm. they basically, own, they, they've widened it now in some places to 12 lanes, but it's at times in the summertime, you know, it was three and four lanes wide yeah and it's just too many cars here's the problem we have how uh, how often it becomes very political and i imagine in other major cities it is as well but they they tend to get things done like what they did in boston i don't know they they literally put their gardener expressway under the ground yeah i've been there and apparently it's made all the difference in the world you look at this highway 413 now it's political if it comes out of doug's forward mouth it must be bad to a lot of people. And yes. I'm not defending him or whatever. This is the problem we have in Ontario, in Canada. Doug Ford says we need Highway 413, and it's immediately, oh, we got to figure out reasons why we don't have it. With all the things that you just described, and they're talking about 500,000 people a year coming into this country, a lot of them to Toronto, a lot of them in cars. I'm sorry, in the meantime, until we come up with something better, mm-hmm. we need some more roads. Sorry, we do. And that's the problem. So these short-sighted people, oh, Doug said it, 413, no, don't want it. Just remind me where the 413 is proposed to go again. It's going to carve up, I think, from the 401 up to the 427 or over to the 400. It's just sort of a release valve. And then people are going, oh, it's only going to, for this many cars. Yeah, now. And it's it's not going to save that much time. Yeah, for now. But when you talk about infrastructure, you have to think of the future. Okay. And and, and just to give people in the rest of the country going, eh, what does it matter? Here's why it matters. That 18-kilometer stretch. By the way, this doesn't include the entire 401 east from the 427, hmm. back and forth, all the way out to wherever the hell Toronto stops nowadays. Right. We're just talking about this 18-kilometer stretch. In any given day, I told you, 180,000 vehicles. But here's the real kicker. $930 million worth of goods travel through just this part of our city every day. That's why it's important that we figure out... A, it's not just so you and I can go uh, to the golf course and your mother-in-law's. You know, there's a lot of the whole country that relies on the goods and services that are being transported through our city every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so frustrating because even Mm -hmm. in the city here, if somebody comes up with an idea, like I think Tori had that. I forget what the idea was, an above ground release or or overflow line or whatever. Politics can become so nasty and bizarre and twisted. It's like, that's a great idea. But I don't want John Tory. I don't want his legacy to have that great thing attached to him. You know? No, absolutely. Which is back back before we get to Noel. It's also why we've only got this dinky subway line. I'm yes. a, listen, you've lived here your whole life. I've now lived here half my life. 
The amount of politics involved in trying to get more subway, more LRT, more whatever, just depends on the whim of the people and whoever's in power at that time. Yeah. All right. Well, now we can uh, switch to ranting about, see, we've taken some time and ranted about some Canadian stuff, you know, for some balance. Just one more point I'll make. To oh, okay. when I was a, so when I was a kid, the subway went from Warden to Islington. Okay. okay? And Young and Bluer down to Union Station. That's 60 years ago. Look, look, look how much it's grown since then. Hardly at all. Exactly. Pathetic. Anyway. Well, you and I were just in, uh, you know, some big cities. I was in Paris. You know, we both have been to New York. I've been to London. Getting mm-hmm. in and around those cities is a joke how easy it is. You know, here, unless you're going north, south, or east, west, <laughs> east, west, for mm-hmm. just a little bit, you're just going to, you know, you're screwed. In the meantime, yeah. let's switch to start. one of our favorite contributors to this program. Who has become a, uh, I don't know, he's a, I, I'm just surprised he still takes our call because he's a media superstar. He is the host now of the uh, Noel Kassler podcast. And I think one of the few people that that we know, I mean, I guess Tony Clement's been to the White House. But this guy most recently hung out with Joe. That's what I like to say. He's like a friend of Joe's. FOJs. Here's Noel Kassler, everybody. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can you hear us okay? I can. It's wonderful. Good to be back. It's always good to see you. And uh, thanks so much for taking time. I know you're getting busy. I follow you on Twitter. As you know, you're getting busier and busier. Uh, let's just get right to it. Yesterday, Fred and I played a clip of a woman who, in, the, uh, in Congress, that's your American uh, politics, was crying crying because she didn't want people that loved each other to be able to marry or interracial couples, uh, both of those people who love each other, because she believes in a book that was written by people who didn't know why the fucking sun came up every day. Your, <laughs> your thoughts, Noel? I agree with you completely. It's insanity, you know, and it's a fundamentalism that I haven't seen in my lifetime in this country. You know, it's like this Christo Christo fascism almost. These people, you know, embarrassing yourself like that on the floor of Congress, crying about something that's like doesn't affect your life at all. If you're not gay, who cares? You know, you want people to get married and be in committed, loving relationships like who cares? You know, I, I, I had a lesbian mom, you know. I grew up around a lot of gay men and women. What I always try to tell people about it is the banality of it. Life is life. A relationship is hard. Whether the person is same sex or not, it requires work and commitment, you know, and respect and compromise. Things that you want to encourage in a society, not legislate against, you know. You know, it's what we've said quite often. You know, far right is evil. Far left can be naive. Right. But this woman that Howard's referring to. Uh, the congressperson from Illinois or whatever. Miss, I know Missouri, I think. Oh, was it Missouri? I'm sorry. Yeah, it was some of them um, in one of the red states. Just, it's just evil. Like yeah. Her heart has hatred. And it comes from the Bible, which I often refer to as the evil book. Just think about that. The reason she doesn't want that is because of something in the Bible. And then from there, it just becomes intolerant and evil. Isn't that wonderful? 
Right, exactly. Because of a fairy tale. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's been, that's <laughs> yeah. been passed down by generally white men looking to control women and looking mm. to control other people and don't question everything and give me half of your paycheck every Sunday. You know, it's you funny know? You, you call it a fairy tale. For years, I referred to, you know, the, the guy floating around in the, in, the, in the clouds as the sky muppet because that's what they do. They worship this sky muppet. You know, I was reading because, you know, we don't need to remind you how anti-religion we are, but I was reading some stuff recently about how the Bible came to be, how it was cobbled together. And it's in, if you knew that, you know, you could, how you could still believe in any of it is bizarre to me. But back to you uh, being raised by a lesbian mother, you know, it's for, for years I used to do this bit about how, why do you still want, why do gays want to get married? It's so much, you know, what do they need the mm-hmm. aggravation for? But, it, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the jokes aside, they want to have the same rights the rest of us do, which is to be aggravated and one day get divorced and then, you know, <laughs> do it again. Exactly. Lose half your stuff. Lose you know, half in the your case stuff. Of the lesbians, right. You lose half of your dream catchers. And your <laughs> That's, jewelry, right. You know? That's right. And your, right. your little spirit, uh, your crystals. Right. Who gets the Home Depot card? That's really funny. But so, no, uh, I, I lived with two lesbians and a pot belly pig, one of which was my mom, you know, and my mom's story was a little different. She didn't come out until she went to prison, which is a good place to find. Yes. If that's your proclivity, you know, and easy, you know, comedy fodder. But the reality of it was, you know, when she got out and was rebuilding her life, she did that in a domestic partnership that was very central to her sort of equilibrium and finding sobriety and all the things you want in a society. You want people that are committed and partnering up to sort of like raise a family and pay their bills and all that kind of thing. And what we don't think about is, you know, those laws against them punish people, right? If her girlfriend gets sick, she's not legally married. You can't go to the hospital when your lover, you know, is on life support or whatever that you've spent 50 years with because you're not direct family. Not to mention they can't leave you the money and all kinds of (laughs) technical health insurance related bureaucratic things that they deserve the protections. And interracial, it's the same thing, you know? Um. What is your, like, evolution? So, uh, did you grow up with your dad? Like, do you remember, like, being with your mom and dad, and then your mom went to jail? Why? And, um, well, she was in jail. Where were you? I find all this quite fascinating. Thank you. I'm going to write a book about it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, this new year, I'm going to write about it. But But before you do, Noel, just one second. Every time you're on this show, there's some Noel Kassler revelation. I was going to say that in the introduction. Like, one time you're like, yeah, I'm buddies with Bruce Springsteen. Next time, yeah, I produced the MTV Awards. This time it's like, oh, yeah, my mom's a lesbian, went to prison. Uh, Excuse me, what? (laughs) So now answer the question. Okay, so nutshell, I lived with my mom and dad till I was about four or five. Dad split, was a real big hippie. You know, they named me after Jimi Hendrix's bass player. So he went off, ended up in Woodstock. I would spend summers living in a tent with him on Todd Rundgren's property in Woodstock. You know? There you go. <laughs> right? By a stream, and I would spend the rest of the year living with my mom, who was young. She had me at 19. So she was a kid herself, trying to raise me, suffering from alcoholism and addiction. She ended up robbing banks. My mom robbed a bunch of banks when I was 13. FBI came in, kicked in the door, dragged me out of there. She went off to federal prison for five years, and I went to live with my grandparents up in Westchester County. So I was sort of rescued from that situation. You put me in a polo shirt, and all of a sudden I was middle-class, normal guy, you know? But but I had these secrets almost, right? I had experience of seeing how the other lived, 
you know, and now it's a blessing to me because a lot of my work involves empathy. You know, that neighborhood I lived in with my mom as a young man when she was struggling was predominantly, you know, black and diverse. And we were, you know, we were poor. And a lot of the problems people associate, you know, with the African-American community or with poverty, I experienced. Right. I didn't know my dad like he took off when I was a kid. My mom went to prison like I lived in a rough place and I saw the the punitive impact of Reaganism on my friends and myself. I saw him come in and cut social services, cut the free lunch program, cut the safety net net of people that, you know, already had a tough lot in life. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that stuff informed my politics because you shouldn't be making life harder for people. You know, one of the things that I've said to Fred, and I probably have shared it with you, is that the irony or the dichotomy of the American system is that this Republican, these policies that they cut and they 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 don't support uh, affect the people that support them the most. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, have you ever had a conversation with your mom? Like, mom, what was it like? So the, you you got in the car, you pulled up in front of the bank, you like walked in, you like was it a note? I could tell. I said, Fred wants to know, wait a minute, back up here. What happened? So I had no clue she was doing this. She'd actually been addicted to heroin and cocaine, speedballs, which is highly addictive. She was essentially a suburban kind of, you know, white lady. She was well-educated. Her dad went to Harvard. Like, you know, she wasn't this. This wasn't like she was growing up on the streets kind of thing. But what she did was she would walk into the teller and hand him a note and say, I have a hand grenade in my purse. Give me all the money. She didn't have a hand grenade. All she had was a note, right? So I like to tell people like, oh, your mom was a writer. Yeah, <laughs> so that's would right. Hand them this, right? That's you know, funny. the teller would freak out and give a couple grand, whatever's in the drawer. It wasn't right. like everybody freeze and open the vault kind of thing. The last person she had done it to, she had gone to high school with. And that lady dropped a dime on her and the FBI came a few days later and kicked in my door, stuck a shotgun in my face and said, freeze FBI. And I'm laying there. How old were you? I'm like 13. I'm in eighth, beginning of eighth grade, November of 84. So I'm sitting there under the blankets and the covers. And this agent looks at me and then he looks at my wall. And I had a big poster of Keith Richards. Right. (laughs) You're thinking that's were you thinking that's why you got arrested? (laughs) No, but he looks he looks at the poster, looks back at me and he goes, you like the stones? And I go, yeah. And he goes all clear in here. And he just backs out of the room. That's funny. And they go, they go and take my mom. They leave me like that was it. You did, know, they were in and out in 10 minutes. Did you have any clue at the time? You know, kids are pretty perceptive that your mother had a problem. Yeah, she was always in the drunk tank getting DWIs. I, I, anything that could happen to you having an alcoholic parent had already happened to me at that point. So I was numbed out. You know, yeah, all the, you know, passed out, you know, just. I got a lot of bad memories that I won't share with you, you know, but did that, I'm just going to have one quick, quick follow up. Did that affect you and your drinking or your drug taking? A hundred percent. Right. Cause it's, it, it's, you know, a genetic disease, I believe. Right. So I already had the predisposition and then I had all this anger and shame and all these feelings that I drank at, you know, cause I took my first drink not long after that happened. And then when I took that first drink, I was like, Oh, I get it. This is an awesome feeling. You know what I mean? Dude, if somebody walked in with a shotgun, I'd ask him if he had a drink for me. 
Right. Exactly. Well, that's the other thing is I needed a drink, right? By the time I was 15, I was like, I need a drink, y'all. Pour me a scotch. And I did. And, you know, it didn't work for me. And the good news is my mom is sober today. She's been sober for decades. I'm in the program. And I visited her in prison. She went to Camp Cupcake, which is what they call it. That's where they sent Martha Stewart. It's kind of a fancy white collar prison. And she was, you'll like this, she was in prison with... um, with uh, Squeaky Frome, you wow. know, the Manson girl. And they would put on the White Album to watch Squeaky Freak Out, literally. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Fred, what were you going to ask? I'm sorry. No, I, um, like, it, this whole coming out thing, like, you, you said your mother was well-educated, you know, a pretty good upbringing. The fact that, you know, you're gay, and back in that time, you really can't say it to anyone, you can't come out, the frustration that builds within... There's no end to how that can manifest in somebody's life, right? And now you get to yesterday when he finally signs off on this law. How liberating that is for how many people and maybe how many troubled lives can be prevented because people don't have that obstacle now in in their lives. Well said. That's what it's about. And I saw Mm -hmm. it. You know, all her friends were gay in the late 70s and the early 80s. Mm -hmm. People had to hide, you know, or they were... You know, the age, you, you're causing it, you know, all this horrible stuff was foisted on a community that from my observations and every observation since is like the last people you want to hate. Like they're like smart, you know, tasteful <laughs> yeah. people like, you know, I mean, I, I get Fred's point. I think I think it's more to what you were saying that, you know, the stigma of coming out. Maybe yesterday it was lessened slightly, but it was more about yesterday was more about normalizing. And I even hate to use that word, but normalizing a relationship, whatever it is, because as I said to Freddie, we were talking about yesterday, the part that really I found fascinating is that they're still debating interracial marriage in this supposedly greatest country in the world. But I thought, you know, isn't that weird that because I my daughter's in an interracial marriage relationship, he his wife is, uh, you know, Fred's in an interracial marriage. I just don't understand how you're still debating that, that the president of your country had to sign off on that yesterday. And I'll finish by saying to me, it was really more about what you said, Noel, that. You know, if you're married to someone, whatever the proclivity is, you want to be able to visit them. You want to have the same rights everyone else has from a legal standpoint. That's all it is. And yet, as we began by this segment by saying, and there's a woman in your Congress crying because she didn't want that to happen. Right. And that that is being, you know, absorbed. You're right. We're continuing the hate. We had a bunch of attacks in this country a couple of weeks ago where they blew up a power substation in North Carolina. They showed up at a trans, you know, story hour in, in, in Cleveland with a bunch of AR-15s like that's terrorism. Right. The whole point of our country was supposedly like sort of, you know, personal liber- liberty and religious freedom mm-hmm. as long as it wasn't involved in government. Right. Remember when there used to be the separation of church and state. Now you have these cosplay Christians crying on the floor of Congress, you know, to get more dumb idiots in a red state, like thinking their problem, you know, is what somebody else does in their bedroom in San Francisco. You know, it's it's just so creepy. It's just so evil, blatant. Right. Yeah. People still buy into it again, often on the Fox News site. When you read the comments, it's like, wow, there's a lot of people out there that are pretty twisted. It's still in this day and age. And again, it's all tied to the uh, to the Bible. Crazy. Now, 
the Bible's the perfect vehicle for that, right? Because yeah. nobody mm-hmm. questions it. And you're, you know, I, I like, you know, what Howard said at the top of this segment. He was, you know, there was five other versions of the Bible. The Bible is the one that got made, essentially. Imagine, oh, yeah. you know, like a, there's five, <clears throat> you know, science fiction scripts and Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I know. You, you know, know, I love when people make fun of L. Ron Hubbard. I go, are you kidding me? What do you think right. the Bible was? My favorite, this, I, I, you know, I get so, you know, it's gotten so weird for me around this time of the year because, I, you know, I did a lot of stuff in my act about, you know, being Jewish at Christmas. But to the point now where, you know, when I'm having a fun little debate with people, I go, you know who's not, cel- you know who didn't celebrate Christmas? Jesus. <laughs> you know, he, he lit the Hanukkah candles like all the other little Jewish boys in his village. Um, back to your association with Todd Rundgren. Uh, we got to get you a woman. Did he write that for your mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Nice. Todd is God, man. I love Todd Rundgren. Oh, so do I. Yeah, man. I watch too. his videos. He's great. Um, yeah. I wanted did, to, you, did you get to know him at all? Like, or? I didn't. You know, it was just okay. hippie dumb. It mm. was Mink Hollow Road. If you know the Hermit of Mink Hollow, that famous record, it sure. was in that era. And mm-hmm. he left town in the early 80s. Somebody robbed his studio, and he was like, I'm out of here, and he moved to Hawaii. We had a couple things to uh, get to, Noel, before we uh, say it. Well, actually, we're going we're gonna to have a quick visit with Noel on our little final show of the year. We, we're getting all our favorites to come back on and say hi to everyone a week from tomorrow. But there's a couple of things. I know, I, again, I see you every day on Twitter. You know, you have so many people that follow you. I, don't, I wish I was a way that I could just send you a personal note and go, like that, like that, like that, but... Um, I know you're talking a lot about Musk and uh, what's going on with Twitter. There was an article this morning that said uh, in the next couple of years, they predict 30 plus million, 18 to 25, 25 to 35 year olds will leave Twitter. Just a couple of things. And, and I want to make, make sure we have a little time uh, because ironically, time is running out for the January 6th committee. And Freddie and I have talked a little bit about like, when is something going to stick? So let's get to these two topics uh, before we say goodbye. What is uh, what's your thought on Musk these days? You know, I think he's a chaos agent. I think he's tanking it on purpose. I think he's a deeply unwell, narcissistic person. You know, he's it came out last night in the New York Times. He's not even paying the rent on the Twitter offices in San Francisco. He's reneging on, on severance packages for the people he fired. So I think he's trying to de-incentivize progressive speech, right? Because like you said, time is running out. Trump is catching cases left and right, and he's losing them. I do feel like Jack Smith is going to move with charges. I feel like an indictment is is coming in January. I, I, I'll, I'll come back on here and eat crow if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like the noose is tightening. I think Trump is in hiding. And I think, like we discussed most of this segment, the things that Trump unleashed are still very potent and powerful in my country, right? Ron DeSantis is running on a pure anti-vax platform now. You know, they're courting the anti-Semites. They're courting the religious Christo-fascists. So Musk is is an ally in that fight, right? Because he knows if, if it's a kleptocracy, he doesn't pay taxes. He gets to put up a SpaceX launch pad in the Grand Canyon if he wants to. You know, he's not held accountable. And we're all being held hostage by these, like, tiny boys, essentially, emotionally, right? Because Elon Musk is a child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just like mm-hmm. an idiot. He said, he, I'll shut up, but... He said he wanted to colonize Mars. That should have been your first clue. That's right. right? If you're on a date and, and you're like, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm planning on colonizing Mars. <laughs> That's He's right. Like, Check, you know. What I find disturbing about what you just said, who they're, who they're you know, cozying up to, who they're after, who they're trying to please, that segment of America, they've crunched the numbers. 
to them, on some level, it makes sense. There's enough of those people yes. that we have a chance. Yeah, exactly. Like, what does that say? And it also explains what's interesting, too, because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're into, into any kind of history, what's interesting is. It now kind of you kind of make sense how they got how Hitler got. I'm going to use Hitler. That's right. Uh, Hitler got enough of the autocracy, the 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 sort of musks of the day on board with what he was doing because the, just to what you said, Noel. Because rich people in Germany went, hmm, okay, what's the what's the path? What's the pathway of least resistance? Okay, we hate the Jews. That's easy, and we'll just go along with this guy. I mean, they didn't really. I don't think they ever saw the final solution, no pun intended. But what we're seeing now in America is a gathering of this like-minded group. That is a brilliant point. Thank That's you. That's a brilliant point, Howard, because look what Hitler did. He chased out the arts and humanities. That's he right. He chased out Hermann Hesse. Get, right? he got rid of the media, all- made the media right. suspect. Exactly. Get people not to trust anybody but the authoritarian That's Aryan right. white man. And the same model is being used now. And the thing that scares me is Hitler didn't have Twitter. Hitler didn't have Fox News. Hitler didn't have dudes on YouTube making shows every day talking about how the Jews are horrible or the gays or the blacks <sighs> or the, I know. the Mexicans. Right. Hitler did this stuff essentially words of mouth, word of mouth. Nazi newspapers and rallies, right? Now people can ingest this all day long, take their own version of it, go up into the hills, arm up, and think they're fighting a holy war. And that should scare yeah. people. Oh, it's well, scary guys, as shit, man. 10, 20 years ago, and I'll say 10, if a former president, just think of all the former presidents came out and said, let's squash the Constitution and redo the election. He said that last week, and there's been relatively no real reaction or response to it. Mm-hmm. Let's just back up 20 years ago if a guy had said that, what the reaction would have been. But again, it's all buffered by social media and all the whack jobs being fed this stuff. And now you talk about normalizing stuff. Right. It's Whoa. like it's it's like I, the reaction to that to me has just been fascinating. I mean, the non-reaction to right. him saying I agree because people get numb to it and yeah. they think, yeah. you know what? I'm sick of talking about this. Let's just talk about the World Cup or whatever. But it's all related. No, mm-hmm. you're, you're both right, and we've had this discussion too about just you know any you could pick. And I, we we did this we did this bit a couple of days ago. Pick any of the cherry pick any of the things that you know Trump has done or has said. And, and you know what? One thing you got to give him credit for. He was right, man. When he said you could, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't matter. He knew that. Somehow he got that early on. And I, I talked about, you know, there was a, those guys I like the good there. I don't know if you follow them. They're called the good liars. They're yeah. really good. Yeah. And they were interviewing somebody a couple of weeks ago outside of a rally. Uh, and I'll quickly get to this. They, they said, you know, uh, Trump is still the, pre- and then these poor people, Trump is still the president yet, but Joe Biden's responsible for inflation. But how can you say that? You just mm-hmm. said Trump is a the president. They, they, they're all mixed mm-hmm. up, but you know, they, they just believe what they're told. They think Musk is great because they're told. And they think the January 6th committee is, you know, bullshit. Yeah. But let's just wrap up with that. What's going like Fred said this the other day, and, and it's a question he's asked, and I agree. When is something going to stick to this fucker? Yeah. I'll, I know. I'll, I'll, so are, are they going to, aren't they running out of time because they're not going to be in charge of Congress in a few weeks? 
Yeah, they absolutely are running out of time. That's why they have to move on Trump in January, you know, because Trump's a coward. He'll flee the country. He'll go somewhere else and say, fight for me. I had to go into exile because they tried to frame your favorite president. You know, send me five bucks a month and fight for me. He'll do it. (laughs) Well, I I think part of the uh, reluctance for indictment is and, 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 you know, it's valid. The reaction, I mean, of his supporters, will they take to the streets? Will they cause chaos? Well, I think it's just got to be part of the plan. They're going to have to be considered insurrectionists, treasonous, anti-American, and be dealt with right in the streets. A hundred percent. And that's what I'm writing. I'm writing them down. Exactly. I'm writing about that on Substack. Like, we're going to have a generation or two of basically guerrilla warfare. You know, guys that go up into the hills, the true believers. And we're going to have to deal with those guys. And they're going to cause some chaos. They're going to blow up some substations. Maddow has been following this, Rachel Maddow. You know, but that's part of the deal. That's what happened. That's why I was saying in the beginning, time is not on our side. Don't let this guy build an army. And that's essentially what he's doing. He's building an army of the idiot of the idiocy in this country. And now you got generals, you know, you got Ron DeSantis and all these other smarter guys who are seeing the formula. Carrie Bannon. Bannon. Exactly. Roger Stone. Like, you yeah. know, these are dirty pe- players, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I'd, totally like to, I'd like to end on a, a different note because, you know, it's, it does, it's like, even as much as I love having this conversation with the two of you, and it's one of my favorite segments, but man, at the end of it, sometimes I'm just left with, well, you know, what, well, what are you, what are you going to do? You know? Um, and that's why, you know, it's, it does, it sort of feels like you just said, it, these are dirty people, stone, general, what's his fuck? Um, right. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, what's his name again? Flynn, Flynn, fucking Flynn. And then there's the people at Fox. Like, it's just all a lot, to tell you the truth. And then, you know, we had had this conversation about Chappelle. You know, I kind of went off the rails there about a month ago after Saturday Night Live. And but uh, Chappelle brings Musk up. I don't know if you knew this story, Fred. Oh, yeah. He brings Musk up on stage. And I'm like, why is Dave Chappelle, who I admire so much, why is he given all of this air? I agree. Ten minutes. Ten minutes at an arena show he gives to Elon Musk to get booed. Not to mention, you know, I'm sitting there with my Jewish partner, right, watching SNL a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, that's anti-Semitism. That's not clever. That's not cutting edge because idiots will believe that shit. I work in the clubs where guys worship Dave Chappelle. They hit their side of their leg with their microphone after every joke and they say the N-word and they sit on stools and smoke cigarettes. Like, guys will repeat that pablum, not pablum, that poison speech, that anti-Semitism. Musk, I mean, Chappelle's got a screw loose too. I've met Chappelle. He's got he's got his own issues. It's all about him all the time and how he's the greatest comedian who ever lived. Where I talked about my childhood outside of like D.C., I was in PG County. I'm a little older than Chappelle. He grew up in Silver Spring. That's the leafy suburbs compared to the hood I grew up in. And there was a thousand guys funnier than Dave Chappelle in my neighborhood. And, and Chappelle knows it. He's from D.C. He's nothing special. He's obviously very very skilled, but he he's a creation of the media. He's called a genius because he calls himself a genius, you know? Yeah, me and my Jewish partner had the same. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes, we times. did. Yes, we when did. When you say that about Chappelle, isn't it funny there are certain people like Jerry Seinfeld? Right. More and more Jerry bugs me. I don't think he's as funny as he used to be, and I don't like... 
he, he, I don't know. There, I, I just don't like his attitude. And it's like, don't ever say anything about wrong about Howard Stern. Don't right. ever go there because yet there's lots of opportunity to poke holes and criticize but there are certain guys you're just not supposed to do that and it's interesting you say that about dave chappelle because he has this image and if you say you criticize dave chappelle it's like who are you he's the funniest man on earth exactly no you go ahead because i'll tell you what i because i'm going to comment on what you both said about chappelle and seinfeld it's a media created narrative and i worked for seinfeld i worked on the marriage ref for three seasons okay there's nobody who really knows Seinfeld who likes Seinfeld that much. He's not a nice person. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to say that, but the guy's an asshole right. in real life. And he doesn't I, care I about see him. But yeah. yeah, and and be all of that as it may. You know, mm-hmm. I think you and I can agree, Noel, that as a as a technician of stand up, there's never been anyone as good as Seinfeld and, and Chappelle. I mean, even I and my favorite, by the way, two of my favorites, Carlin and uh, um, uh, Richard Pryor, d- didn't have the joke writing ability like Seinfeld's ability. But but to your point, Fred, Seinfeld is now a guy in his late 60s, 90s. Jerry Seinfeld, you can't touch. His last special was pretty fucking mediocre. But as we had this conversation, Noel, the other day about Maniscalco, I love Sebastian. Sebastian, but his last special, you know, it's like a lot of artists in music, as you as we all know, you know, McCartney never wrote anything as good that he did in his 20s. Never. It's, it's just the uh, evolution of an artist. But Chappelle's thing, particularly, as you know, annoyed me like your partner, because and I, you know, listen, it's one thing for me to do stuff about being Jewish. But people don't seem to understand you don't have the same right. And when he made that, the, the part in that act, like, again, it was a pretty good monologue. There were some good jokes. But the part where he talked about Kyrie Irving and the Holocaust denial, as we all know, the people that are dunderheads that believe that Trump is still the president, they're going to believe that. All they heard was the Holocaust didn't happen. That's why it's so damaging. But don't listen, guys. We, there's nothing there. There's no taking anything away from how skilled those oh, yeah. two guys no, are. They really are. Yep. 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 Look, I agree. And I studied both of their technique. They're masters of Fantastic. the Fantastic. Yeah, no absolutely. Question. We're just hoping you have a little morality and an understanding of your power. Because these guys are exalted to the top of our field. You want them to punch up, not punch down. Yeah. You know, like like you said, he's talking about the Jews run Hollywood. Well, you know why? Because they got run out of New York. That's why. When right. the industry began in New York, they weren't allowed to do business. So they crafted a business that shaped the world. World, you know, like, and that's a stupid trope. No, I, I, I you know, Ari Shafir. I know you know who he is, and I don't know. I'll get. I'm, I'm assuming Boone's got your uh, email, doesn't he? Everybody's got. My okay, email. but I don't, I don't have it. I was going to say I'm going to send you if, if you haven't seen it. It's his latest special. I've sent it to a bunch of people. It's a 90 minute sort of master class right. in uh, stand up, but also it's it's called Ari Shafir Jew, and it's really funny. I know your partner would like it. But it's really interesting to hear his take on the religion and all religions. Um, anyway, I don't know what my point was. I just wanted to share it with you. So I'll get your email. I'll get your email from stuff. Mike. Yeah, I, mean, I love him. He's really good. And, and that's what comedy's good at. We're supposed to be having a dialogue, right? That's mm-hmm. comedy is the one art form that can cut through the BS. You know, call out the sacred cows. Call out the 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 you know sort of ignorance that we all face and look at it in a human way where we're all sort of equal that's what carlin did best right yeah. you know that's what you like uh, richard Pryor does and i want that i don't want people just cashing in on their fame and talking about themselves you know um 
Do you not have a Toronto date coming up? Uh, I, 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 no, I need to. Oh. We're, we're constantly talking about it. I'm working on new dates in Chicago and whatever. Okay. I, I have been. Do- I got co-opted by the White House. I became a pundit oh. since the midterm. <laughs> I'm Poor you. Right. Um, I got to get back on stage. Because you know? if you ever came up here, we'd do a meet and greet. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. No, we'll do something. I'll come yeah. up to Toronto. I want to take the subway. You know, I'm Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, really? And by the way, yeah. now that we're all buddies, can we come and stay with you in your hot Westchester town? Uh, Noel Kassler, everybody. Uh, of course, one of our favorites, the host of the uh, Noel Kassler podcast. You can read him on Substack and then, of course, follow him as I do on Twitter. I'll get your, uh, unless you want to just put it here in the chat, then I can send this to you this morning. Yeah, I'm going to do it right now. Uh, nice, nice playing me out with Todd Rundgren. I appreciate that. Dude, come on. It's not my first radio show. Are you kidding me? Nice. Uh, not his first rodeo. It's not my, hey, well, you know, I'll tell you another story. Back then, I put my email in there. When, when, thanks, bud. When, when Todd did live in town, who I would see was Liv Tyler, who was his daughter. Oh, yeah. He raised Liv Tyler. Oh. And I'm telling you, man, like, that was the most beautiful girl I'd oh, ever yeah. seen. I would see her at, like, the local swimming hole, and I would just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. She's a big fan. I'm a big fan of that. She's a juice Striking factory. Nose. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Noli, thanks, brother, and I uh, appreciate you coming on that. We'll, we'll talk to you in a week from now just to say hi to you before we all break for the Christmas season. Did you just call him Noli? I do. It's my new name for him, Noli. Yeah. Hey. I've gotten that. Noli, Noli, Noli. Noli, man. That's what, uh, that's what Mr. Clit likes to call him, Noli. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, my friend. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> See you, Noli. I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew you were going to fucking get on say, what is this the nhl like mm-hmm. yeah they have the best fucking nicknames Fredzy, what would you be i guess you'd be Fredzy or patty probably patty yeah you know i you know i'd probably be like a version of what hots calls me glassy glassy yeah uh all right uh <laughs> noli noli i mean i'd love that now we're all are you all up to date oh no we got uh, the, we got stuff to do right Oh, I got to tell you about uh, the Chambers plan. Yeah, we're going to have a good conversation tomorrow, by the way. A lot of people have been asking me about this. uh, How am I insured and how the insurance works in the Chamber plan? Brett Tanner is going to be on the show, but in the meantime. Yeah, it's Canada's number one uh, group benefits plan for small business. Uh, Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Find out how your small uh, company can be part of this. Part of what? 30,000 Canadian businesses across the country. They've been around for 40 years. I mean, really, it's a brilliant concept. All these small companies together, uh, you know, sort of have the image or the profile of a large company. Of course, this makes uh, buying, purchasing uh, coverage a lot uh, easier. And they've done a great job of uh, holding the line on premiums. Uh, premiums. I'm sure uh, Brett will talk about that tomorrow. So you go into this knowing that you're not going to get whacked with a huge premium increase year after year, like a lot of plans have. And again, it's dental, it's prescriptions, it's travel, as we've uh, talked about. All sorts of different products under uh, that umbrella. And you can buy in at certain levels. Take the time, as I say. Go to chamberplan.ca. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, this is interesting. Um, uh, tomorrow, of course, we'll be reading a lot of your emails. There's been a lot of stuff this week. But I thought I would read this to you because it came in on uh, Facebook. 
So uh, we are on our way. This is from Lucy LeJoie. says, we're on our way to Florida. We stopped in London, Kentucky, and we turned on the TV to listen to the news. And out of all the channels, only one was not Fox News or Newsmax, which is like <laughs> fucking crazy Fox. She said, we're so surprised. And then we realized that uh, that's why that state is so pro-Trump. They don't hear anything else. So just like North Korea and Russia. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe why there's such an affinity in the Fox world for, you know, and I didn't ask him about that. How crazy the way you put the when you said, hey, you know, any one of these things, uh, you know, you said if a president had said about the Constitution, <laughs> could you imagine mm-hmm. watching any kind of American media, even 15 years ago mm. where a good portion of the hosts on that channel were siding with the Russians. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's like, what, what did we just, yeah. How's that even possible? But, but we live in a new reality in new reality. Speaking of real, here's the, uh, let me just get his music ready because I don't like to, I don't like him to wait. Here it is. Always a pleasure to meet with our friend. As you say, he's licensed on both sides of the borders. Uh, He lives amongst the Americans, but of course, he speaks Canadian. He's the uh, professor with a plan, the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett. Good morning, everybody. I would have been fine with Todd Rundgren music, too. I love his uh, his stuff, for sure. Yeah. Uh, a funny story, hopefully, a buddy he used to work with, uh, used some of his lyrics in a love note to his wife or, or girlfriend at the time that went over really, really well until she heard the song and realized <laughs> he just absconded with all the, the lyrics. You know what, guys? We're just doing our best. You know what? We're, we're not that good at this stuff. We're just doing our best. <laughs> I love Todd Rundgren. Hello, It's Me is one of my favorite songs, you know. Uh, if we were, I don't know how it came up in conversation. Timmy, have you ever seen live from Daryl's house? Oh God, yeah, all the time, man. I, the I time. have this memory that one of the that Rundgren was on early in the in the series. Well, actually, I was just going to mention that in that case, Daryl went to Hawaii and was right. at Todd's house. And did you see that <laughs> the, the place he's got over there? Yeah. Yeah, he did all well, right. Well, and for a little Canadian content, Finger Eleven was on there uh, with him as well. Was he yes. really? Um, well, there's a little hello, it's me for you. Uh, I was going to say, wasn't there a little thing you and I did, Freddie, years ago with Finger Eleven? Oh, jeez. We did like a... God, I think it was them. We did a... We, where, we, where they did a broadcast. Not a broadcast. They did a little concert. At somebody's house. Anyway, uh, the holiday season, everybody, is upon us. And uh, let's talk about the A in the Sherpa process. A stands for what, Professor? Who do we appreciate? Appreciation, right? I mean, we, we have a whole process. Uh, the S is setting goals. I won't rhyme them all off today, but uh, kind of the last one, because that's what it's all about, is appreciation. So hopefully we're kicking that up a notch on the... Uh, Holiday season, we watched Scrooge. Lorna said she's never seen Scrooge before with Bill Murray. And we watched that last night. So Who's the lead in the that? There's the, the woman in that. Is that Gina Davis in that or no? No. Uh, 
There's a there's a beautiful brunette. Yes, woman. Karen. Yes. Shoot, I saw. Yeah, last I know who you mean. Too. That's okay. Yeah, she's been in a lot. Very very beautiful lady. Uh, Karen something, and she's yes. almost famous, apparently. <laughs> this is great. I love when guys are always trying to remember stuff. Oh, yeah, what's her face from that movie? My uh, daughter was talking about that the other day. She said they let the kids watch it, but there's a lot of inappropriate stuff in that particular movie for an 8- and a 10-year-old. I can't remember personally but yeah there is there's a lot of kind of violent stuff even right off the beginning and all yeah. and uh you, you know uh, bill murray's character of course has to be really rotten at the beginning so that's probably part of what they were uh-huh. uh, talking about we we had that last year with uh christmas vacation we love to watch every year and and we thought our now eight-year-old grandson was probably just starting to understand a little more about what was going on in that so we put that on hold for him for a couple of years. It was uh, Karen Allen who was in that movie. I always liked her and her work. Also, Bobcat Goldthwaite's in that film. Um, but let's talk about appreciation in both the sense of gratitude and also in the sense of things appreciating, but also taking time at this time of the year to appreciate some of the things. And, and that's also part of the process, as you say, that we take time and talk about what you're appreciate of, appreciative of. Right. So, I mean, I always say money's not everything, right? But it helps you have options. And uh, one of our options is to look on the good side of things, or one of our options is to create positive energy. And uh, we we see that on a lot of people we both follow on Twitter about golf and, and all, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, of course. Uh, to in, enjoy the process, not bemoan the specifics or whatever. And and listen, we do it all the time. But I, I mean, certainly after yesterday, Bill Brio is somebody who I appreciate. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. After he said those kind words on the show with you guys there. But oh, that's you know, right. They, they both of us. For, that was, by the way, that was yesterday. We both forgot that conversation briefly. Yeah, he loves you. So I did the callback for you there. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, he, he, even in the movie yesterday, goofy as it was, but knowing I was going to talk about this today, uh, you know, reach out to somebody you haven't talked to for quite a while. If you're really up to it, somebody who maybe used to be a great friend and you've had uh, a little fracture in the relationship, but it's probably over something dumb and and all that, uh, you'll, you'll be doing something good for yourself, not just for the other person, uh, of course, by any means. Yesterday, I reunited... We hadn't had a fracture, but with somebody I was super close with, we just haven't uh, talked with for a while. And, and, you know, those are always good things. Our our spouse, significant other, uh, is, of course, a a great option. We sometimes have um, a little bit of piling on of stuff that happens over the years and forget all the great stuff that attracted us to them or on a daily basis and all. So there's just lots of good positive outflows that will be good for everybody there. You, uh, what do we appreciate uh, appreciative of? And uh, it's interesting. The top one there I see is health, and it's interesting. You know, there's health, and then there's everything else, right? If you don't have your health, your perspective on everything else changes because a lot of other things don't matter anymore because you don't have your health. And uh, and I guess the older you get, the more that means, or the more impact that has on you. Well, a couple guys you're talking to certainly know that, right? I mean, I, I just finished golfing for the fourth day in a row yesterday. Wow. Good. Uh, Good for you. I, I, I did work. Uh, two of those were weekends, uh, you know, uh, as well. But, I, I mean, I didn't even play once a month from July through to October, right? So mm-hmm. we often give it lip service, our health, but 
uh, unfortunately, if it gets kind of taken away or, or, or changes, uh, it, it takes that as it does lots of things in life to really appreciate. But absolutely, if you got that, that's a pretty darn good start on things, it's isn't it? Start. Well, and as you say, once, you know, you know, I, I'm, I had a great talk with a buddy of mine last night who's in the pharmaceutical industry, but he was giving me some perspective on, you know, like uh, we were concerned about you. I certainly was when I'd see you the odd time this summer that you weren't playing much your health was an issue and when it's an issue it becomes the issue but now as you've just reported you've played four days in a row you can't even imagine that in the summertime when you were going through it and my buddy's point was you know i've had this sort of a scare and what well, was a scare i've had this issue and it's going to take a while for me to sort of get used to the fact that now i'm maybe on the other side of it. And he reminded me that when I was in Phoenix, it took me a long time to stop obsessing as you do about what's going on with that weird feeling in your chest. Of course. But at some point it will be behind me. And I can see that from what you've just said, it's, it's certainly more in the rear view than it was in the middle of this summer. Well, yeah, absolutely. Without going through all the details, but, but energy and, and activity and all is great. And, you know, we, of course, have the power to change those things with habits or, or lifestyle. Same as with savings, with investing, right? To uh, uh, put a certain amount of money away a month or, or whatever and all, or, or educate yourself on uh, interest and, and growth and, and all those things. So, yeah, we, we uh, can appreciate the people that we work with, too, right? Whether it's for our health, whether it's for our golf swing, uh, whether it's somebody who helps us fix something at the trailer or or whatever and all they all play a good uh, positive role in our lives yeah and I, I think it's so important if one's uh, one decides to retire what you do with that time because again talk about beating a dead horse i mean doing this podcast i can't imagine life without it i can't imagine not getting up in the morning and not having anything to do hey it works for some people for others you know it doesn't it ages them and often you can see it in people. And uh, that's a, another uh, key point to this. And one other thing I will say as we get older, you know, when we have an ailment as we get older, when we're younger, we seem to think, oh, I'll be, I'll get over this. More and more impresses <laughs> on my mind. If I get some kind of ailment, be it physical, even mental, what is my ability to get, what is my ability going to be to get over it? Because it's not as easy as you get older. So just a lot of things that can play in your mind. That's why you have to keep positive and keep 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 active and involved. And well said. Okay, Mr. Uh, Nibs, I'm so happy to hear you're playing some golf. And, and I can tell you on behalf of uh, both of us, uh, but me individually and as a group, uh, we appreciate you and the contribution to our program, not only as a sponsor, but as a friend. And... Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, you, we always get a good buzz off you, and you're a good guy to hang with, and thanks very much, Timmy. Hey, you're a very nice man. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sorry, you keep going. Uh, you stop for the I was on a bit of a roll there. <laughs> I mean, what, do you Timmy? got some time constraints or something going on? No, I tell you, you know what the truth no, is? It's, uh, i got to wrap you up because i got to take a leak. Like, serious. <laughs> I'm drinking a lot of water. Uh, it's mutually uh, mutually beneficial, uh, felt, whatever, both ways. So uh, love you guys, and uh, have an awesome week. Okay, man, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. And then, of course, I uh, wish you nothing but the best. All And, and uh, yeah, just, thanks for bringing up that movie. I'd forgotten about that. It's a good uh, holiday film. 
Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. That's the official residence. You know, I meant to play this at the end of the Noel thing, and I just... But, yeah, hello, it's me. It's fun. You know where he made all his money? Not Noel, but uh, Todd Runga. Uh, I, I don't know. As a producer, really. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah almost. I, I mean, you know, I think he, you know, when we remember him from the 70s, was a pretty big, you know, artist. But uh, his real wealth came from all the stuff he produced. That's a great uh, sing-along drive-in song. We gotta get you Do you sing it like that? Because mm-hmm. that would make me want to jump out of the car. That's <laughs> no. right. By the way, that was a great <laughs> line. Hey, I, I know, listen, I know you appreciate me and I appreciate you, but I would tell you, like every once in a while I'll say something and I will fucking crack you up. Mm. And uh, But that was a great line. What? That was a fucking great line when you said that to him. That was the perfect... In fact, I when you said to we were talking about that with Noel, and uh, that you just the, the way you combine Todd Rundgren and his mom's a lesbian, oh. we got to get you a woman. That is, I'm just going to tell you, man. That is why you make me laugh. That's because in order to put those two things together, let me tell you why it was funny for the next 20 minutes. You'd love when I do that, <laughs> but uh, to put those two things together is what is what is what funny is. And as soon as you said it, I was fucking, I laughed my head off. And then I was so jealous I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> I really was. It's like, God damn it. Patterson got well, there. Well, that's very nice. Dude, it was real. It that means a lot. No, but I'm seriously, that really, really was funny. And you know what he was saying too about Seinfeld and, you know, we got to give these guys, and it was part of our conversation yesterday. You know, don't expect Dave Chappelle to ever be as funny as the first time you saw him do stand up. Six years ago, when the age of spin came out, I've told you that story. When I, I was d- back doing stand up, I'd probably done about 30 sets over the course of a, a few months, and I saw his special, and I was like, oh, why do I even bother? But he's never, that's never going to happen again. Why he leans into this stuff, the trans stuff mm-hmm. made me uncomfortable. I'll just tell you, it did. And the Jewish stuff obviously makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you're right. That is a tough thing, be it music and comedy or movies or sequels to movies where it's always, oh, it's not as good as the first one. You know, it's just something that uh, you deal with. You know, even sport, you know, I look at Josh Allen, you know, this spectacular start he had and all the great games. Now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Allen didn't have a very good game, but they won. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i know they that oh, that's what it's all about they won of course every game he's not gonna throw for 400 yards and but people just tend to you know you you always compare to the to the previous thing and that's why i wanted to say that to noel like mm-hmm. i was a huge seinfeld fan for a really long time and i, I know he's a cranky old guy now same with carlin the last couple of carlin specials were just they were just ranting they weren't Mm -hmm. they weren't anywhere near as funny as i thought he was as a kid Mm -hmm. yes i love i was gonna say this yesterday with stand-up i don't have a I, i i'm not a huge fan of like netflix and watching comedy specials unless there's social commentary involved again that's why i like jimmy kimmel and that's why i like dave chappelle and um, 
what was the point I was going to make? Uh, that's the point I was going to make. Why, you know, these... Oh, the point I was going to make is use it with Chappelle and Carlin. Sometimes that can become uncomfortable. You're in it for the social commentary, but then you're sitting there going, I don't know. You know, maybe this is too far. Maybe this maybe this show is... Our show is like that for a lot of people. Oh, I, you know? I, listen, I know for a fact... It became mm-hmm. like that for a lot of people, and they left us. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and that's why, you know, I point out that joke of yours. I had a, I had a line the other day. I know it cracked you up, and I, I guess because it, it happened in the perfect, you know, there was just that, it was a perfect thing. You laughed, and, you know, and, but there's still, like, I like to let people, like, like, we still have the silliness, you know, of the old humble and Fred, but we're, we're old humble and Fred now. It's like. What did you, we're not going to be like we were when I was 37 and you were 41 in 1997. It's never going to be. I happen to think this is better, different, evolved, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. And perspective changes. Often, you know, you, you, you go through this, you have, you know, your kids are 20 something, mine are 30 something. Often you'll have conversations and you just realize how your perspective has changed. Your perspective has changed through experience. You've seen a lot more. You've been through a lot more. And sometimes it can become frustrating, but then you just have to realize they haven't seen as much. They haven't been through as much. They haven't experienced as much. And it gets back to the Carlin thing and maybe Chappelle. Sometimes your perspective can sound bitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just because of all you've seen and like, you know, I like, I, 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 I've been a, I'm not saying you're not, but I've been a lifelong stand up fan. So Netflix for me is the greatest thing. I watch stand up at least three, I'm going to three times a week. I'll put on a, I'll put on an hour special or I'll browse some specials because I love the form of it. That's why I tried Trevor Noah. Don't think he's funny, but I wanted to check right. out how he opened, sure. you know, what was the, you know, what was his, what did he mm-hmm. do for his setup? It's why I went back and watched a previous Maniscalco special. Cause I'm like, no, no, I remember him when he was sparkly, funny and, and whatever. And, you know, but you know, my ex-wife, loved the special that i thought was just mediocre because it's all how you receive it's all how you receive it you're right that's that's, that's what's great about music it's what we it's, you know and it's again it's about this show it's all how you receive it it may not be for everyone anymore and maybe when we were first starting out 11 years ago we made it a bit more of a wide net mm-hmm. but i could talk to noel castler all fucking day every day i just could yeah um i'm gonna say i'm saying if he ever came to toronto it would be neat maybe to go somewhere and do a show and invite people to come because i i would imagine if we did a a poll if we got leger to do a poll for us yeah uh, he would be there (laughs) near the top of the list of our guests of and certain and certainly in in terms of recognition Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to save the uh, Florida. I promise tomorrow I will do. We will do the Florida guy had sex with a dog story. I just uh, I can't hold off any longer. It's also ten after nine, and you know we did a lot of show. Would that be painful for the dog? That concerns me. Well, there's so much to the story that's concerning. But the funniest thing about it to me is that the guy fucked a, a dog, and that was only. And then it got worse after that. Um, okay, <laughs> thanks to uh, Noel. Thanks to you. Thanks to Sherpa. Thanks to our friend. Uh, oh, I see. I have to do this. Hang on a second. Let me just do. Uh, I need to just make a quick adjustment because Dan's uh, not here. 
I don't know where Dan went. Okay, here we go. Stand by. And I have to hit this other button now, too. This episode of Humble at Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. We read all our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing helps out the show and makes a great Christmas gift. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember there are only 11 sleeps until Christmas Day, 7 sleeps until the winter solstice, and 1 sleep until our next show. Enjoy every goddamn day. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the Get fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?